Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Intersectionality. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Angela Raven Anderson. In this segment, we explore how our understanding of God and who God is calling us to be is informed at the intersection of race, gender, and religion. We examine how the combination of liberation, womanist, and egalitarian theologies presents an understanding of God's kingdom that embraces, restores, uplifts, and transforms all who would enter therein. When we consider and learn from the wisdom gained in the lived experiences of women of color, our view of God's kingdom is stretched, contextualized, enriched, and expanded. Let's listen to their voices as they move us beyond the stained glass ceiling. In our uh, episode today, I am so delighted to welcome Reverend Michelle Williams. Reverend Williams is the former Dean of Students at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. She had she was ordained at the early age of 23 and served as a youth pastor and an associate pastor at that same church. She has served on uh, multiple church staffs in a pastoral leadership capacity. And Michelle is a prolific communicator, and, and she speaks at conferences, retreats, meetings, workshops on multiple topics, including diversity, leadership, soul care, women's empowerment, and spiritual well-being. Along with being a, an oral communicator, uh, Michelle is a prolific writer as well. She has a passion for writing and has published several articles, including two fiction novels, and has co-authored a book entitled The Diversity Playbook, Recommendations and Guidelines for Christian Organizations, which is available now. Uh, her ministry passions include teaching and empowering believers to passionately pursue God's purpose for their life, leading training and development, and encouraging people to develop an authentic love for God and their neighbor. I am so delighted to welcome to our broadcast today, Reverend Michelle Williams. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much, Angela. I appreciate um, you know, every time I hear that bio, I am humbled <laughs> yes. by the grace of God. And it's like, okay, um, you know, I just said yes. And and from there, you know, continuing to say yes every day is how I, I how I ended up sitting here talking to you today. Amazing, right? It it is amazing that the journey that God places us on, it takes us in places that we sometimes don't ever imagine. Don't ever Not imagine. ever. Not ever. So um, I've had the opportunity to visit with Michelle, and I just have to tell everyone she is so delightful. And mm. Michelle, I want you just to share with our audience just a little bit about yourself. Just okay. help okay. us get to know you. 
Well, I like to tell everyone that I am both a daughter of the church and a survivor of the church. Mm. So uh, most of my formative, incredible high highs of life have happened inside of a church um, building with church folks. And on the flip side, the most painful and devastating moments of life have happened Um you know, at being around a church or church people. And so um, both a daughter of the church and a survivor of the church, um, I came out of my mother's womb singing in a choir. Right. <laughs> I get that. So, yeah, my, my childhood was church, 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 fourth generation church of God in Christ. Um, and so we had a very um, strip strict upbringing. Um, that is interesting because we also moved around a lot. Okay. Um, by the time I was 16, I'd lived in nine different cities. Wow. Um, and so my dad was a, a, a Kmart manager, district manager. Um, we always moved to places, Angela, where we were one of the only families of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, at an early age, I learned how to live biculturally yes. um, because Monday through Friday, I went to school and I was surrounded by, by people who didn't look like me. But then on the weekends, I was immersed in the black church experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I learned how to be that bridge person and God was really shaping me for who uh for where he wanted me to be today and so I've seen that over and over again um that ability to pivot um yes and to translate between cultures um really really started when I was when I was young and from all the moving around we did yeah you know it was we always say that there's no experience in life that God wastes yes that all of that is is like you said is for our shaping for his use mm-hmm. in the kingdom yeah yeah, yeah so that's yeah, interesting yeah. yeah even the pain points it's like yeah. oh wow okay okay so and how and how, it's amazing how god redeems those things and you know later on in your life it's like okay okay this, this do, is, do you mind sharing some of that cuz i i'm i'm assuming some of that came with answering the call to ministry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, fast forward to, um, I, I went to graduate school in Tulsa after I uh, graduated from undergrad. I went to ORU for a season, Did, didn't complete it, but um, it landed me in Tulsa. Um, and I had to unlearn some things in order to accept my calling. It was in Tulsa that I decided to walk into this, you know, I was actually asked by a pastor if I would be their youth pastor. And I said, huh, you know, I, I had never seen females operate in a pastoral capacity. Okay. Um, it was always um it was always, you know, prayer warrior or uh, evangelist or, but, but pastor, you know, that, 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 that word after the youth right. it was like, oh, <laughs> I'm a youth director, but the unlearning process was painful in and of itself. Um, because I had, there was so much that it was like, okay, you've got, you're asking me to do this thing, um, that I'm not sure I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. So um, the voices in my head, you know, trying trying to be reconditioned um, to to surrender to the will of God was interesting. Um, so when I finally said yes and I walked in that space, um, I had multiple opportunities um, 
to test that affirmation or people gave me multiple opportunities to test that affirmation. Let's say that. Um, I'll never forget one really painful experience happened um, at an interfaith meeting. Um, I'd been a youth pastor now for a couple of years and I was actually the associate pastor at that time now. So it's been like three or four years. Um, so, you know, I thought I was owning this thing, right? <laughs> um it's an interfaith meeting and the committee asked for some of the African-American pastors to uh, get together and decide who, who among us was going to be uh, a leader of this committee, whatever they were doing. So there were three of us present and we huddled and I, you know, I'm excited. I was like, oh yeah, you know, who, you know, how should we choose? And they said, well, we should definitely go with the, the persons, the people who are more credible in the community. And me and my naivety, I was like, oh, yeah, we're all credible in the community. We've all, you know, but this man snickered at me. I mean, it was just the ugliest little snicker and I can hear it to this day. Um, It was like, no, no, really, the people who have a leadership voice in the community who everybody looks to. Um, He said, and that's not you. I mean, it was just like, whoa. (laughs) Wow. Yes. I mean, it was all I heard in that moment, Angela, was little girl sit down and shut up. I mean, that, you know, it was like, what? Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so things like that that happen over and over again. And you're like, okay, this is a voice for my childhood. I need to, you know, and, um, you know, that's the, the enemy. And so some of those, um, those, those things that I'm, I'm saying as pain points that have, you know, kind of shaped me and allowed me to, um, allow me to, to create different narratives in my mind and help other people create different narratives based on the scripture, right? Um, I had a, there was a huge church split in Tulsa. Um, mm-hmm. This was my spiritual father who believed in me, who poured into me, who, you know, who said, you can be a pastor when I didn't believe I could be a pastor. Um, so it was ugly. Um, people, you know, it was just one of the most ugly yeah. um, moments in, in church history, in my church history. Um, and they asked me to take over the church. Now, Angela, I'm 29 years old at this point, right? Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I, I would say graciously declined, but I absolutely said no and ran. Yeah. My dad was sick. He, <laughs> he, he uh, was living in Indianapolis at the time. And so I moved back home and, and was just really hurt and burnt out and, and questioning my calling. And so that's when I stepped into um, seminary and I did it a little backwards, but I needed, I needed that affirmation from scripture, um, that theological grounding that yes. yes, I was called to this thing and it didn't matter my gender or my background. Um, the calling of God was sure. Right. Um, and so that really helped me have, have create new narratives, right. That were scripturally based. And yes. so now when I yes. came up with, you know, when people come, you know, came to me and said, well, no, women are supposed to be silent. Then I I can pull out. I was like, no, let's right. talk about the context of that scripture. And, you know, right. so right. really giving me that equipping was, was uh, what seminary did for me. And one of the places where my, my narrative was switched. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that because I remember going through seminary much the same. I experienced my call, um, but I was not 
in a uh, tradition that affirmed women as leaders mm-hmm. um, in in ministry. And uh, but I but it was interesting because the the senior minister he he was like yes go to you know go to seminary yes, um, and. And then through seminary, you know, you're getting your, all of your theological training, but I still, um, and, and, and the calling was being affirmed as I went Mm -hmm. through, but I still didn't have the theological foundation to support. So it made me still a bit unsure, but it was, um, as part of my, um, you know, seminary requirements, we had to do an internship and mm-hmm. I, uh, I did an internship and, and my mentor, her name was Ann Bayless. She was a co-pastor at a church. She introduced me to CBE, mm-hmm. but also in the process, she realized that I had not had the opportunity to really, um, what do I say? Excavate, right? Go through mm-hmm. these the scriptures to really understand and defend my calling. And so, uh, and and that's what I loved about CBE because uh, all of the material that I was able to yes. get from there that I yes. had not ever been exposed to before mm-hmm. um, that really helped me understand. And in fact, we were hosting a CBE conference mm. um, and um, just had some incredible, Incredible scholars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just incredible scholars come and present, and um, that's that that made all the difference. And and then, uh, like you said, ha- having to unlearn some things mm-hmm. and then be reassured in yes. a scriptural foundation. Yes, you know, yeah. of your calling. Well, great, great, great. Thank you so much for uh, kind of sharing. Registration is now open for CBE's 2022 International Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Join us in person August 5th through 7th as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28 beside leaders from around the world. Be a part of the conversation on women, race, and ethnicity. Register now before April 30th to receive the early bird pricing of $249. Visit CBE's website to register and see information on the event schedule, lodging, speakers, and sponsorship opportunities. We hope to see you there this August as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28. I wanted to um, uh, uh, invite Michelle because she will be actually one of our presenters, I believe, coming up at our conference, uh, the CB conference. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So we're so excited to have you, but I'm excited uh, because she, the book that she has written called uh, a co-author, the diversity playbook, I think is a gold mine for the church for such mm-hmm. a time as this. Mm-hmm. When we are looking at how do we begin to um, have the church reflect the vision that we see in Revelation where all mm-hmm. the nations are coming together and we are praising God together. How how does that look um, in our Christian organizations? I, you know, I'm I'm one of those who believes the church should lead the way in this. Absolutely. We shouldn't be those Absolutely. following behind corporate America, but we should mm-hmm. be leading the way to say this is how God is calling um all of humanity to live, but especially those of us within the kingdom, right? Absolutely. Um, but uh, so I, I wanted to talk to talk a little bit about that today because diversity has become such a um, hot topic. Uh, you know, it's the 
uh, I say it's, it seems like it's become the flavor of the month right now. It has. And <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm hoping that at this time that it, it is taking on a much more substantial um, significance in the life of at least this country, our society. So uh, tell me a little bit about how Diversity Playbook came about. So uh, it came about because my co-author and I had started receiving and had um, been receiving lots of feedback from other people who are doing this work. Um, my colleagues were were dying on their institutional campuses. Um, they were facing crisis after crisis. And literally, Angela, um, a 40-year-old college I mean, a 40-year-old colleague at a university in the Midwest had a heart attack, um, and they had just went through this incredible stress, incredibly stressful season of racial unrest on their campus, mm-hmm. um, and his family really attributed um, you know, mm-hmm. his stress to the job, and, and there were some underlying health conditions, but that was our are really our clarion call to say we have got to act. We have got to do something about the situation that diversity professionals are facing on Christian college campuses. And so that's why we initially started writing it. I mean, it just evolved to include these other Christian organizations because we also had feelers and friends and um, clients who were those organizations like nonprofits and churches um, who were just really struggling in this particular cultural climax, cli- I'm sorry, context with um, with diversity issues. And so that's why we wrote the book, because um, my co-author and I have about 35 years of, of experience combined within Christian organizations. And so we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and uh, we felt like we had something to say. So... <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, and, and this is a, a great piece. It's, it's such a, a wonderful handbook, I think, mm-hmm. uh, as we talk about how to approach. So let me ask you this. Why, um, and this is, you know, this is a little bit of a lob question, but why diversity? Why is it important? Mm-hmm. Why, why, do, mm-hmm. why do we need to talk mm-hmm. about that? Well, you know, when I, I think about diversity, it really is defined quite simply as difference, right? That's the sociological definition of diversity, difference. And when you're speaking about human beings, that includes all the various social categories that individuals can belong to as a result of their social identities. So, you know, race, class, gender, faith, tradition, all of that, you know, all of those are, are social categories that we identify as. Um, But theologically, we understand that diversity was God's intent from the beginning of creation, Angela. He created diverse animals and plants and light sources and land masses and bodies of water and human beings. Right, 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 right. Uh, You know, the male and the female creation were made in the image of the diverse and the triune God. Right. Right. 
Uh, he he told Noah to make sure to have two of each kind of the ark to ensure the repopulation of diverse creatures. So we see it throughout the biblical narrative, this celebration of God's diversity um, from Genesis and to, to what you mentioned uh, earlier, the, that awe-inspiring vision of revelations yes. um, that shows this great multitude from every tribe, nation, and people um, standing in white robes before the throne. So this thread of diversity runs throughout the scripture. Um, and I believe it's intentional and it's divine. Um, so Amen. if, if Amen. diversity is God's design, then that means diversity matters to God. Right. right? right. And if it mm-hmm. matters to God, it should matter to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so tell me, um, because I, uh, in reading the book, like you said, I know in, initially when you guys were kind of coming together, the focus had to do with uh, it kind of in those academic settings. Mm-hmm. But um, I, honestly, this book is applicable uh, in any organization, I would think. Um, but help me understand what is different uh, about your approach that you are proposing, Michelle, as opposed to, you know, any DNI um, person that's out here working. Sure, sure. Well, first off, um, it is specifically from a Christian lens, right? Mm-hmm. So we're we wanted to ground it and gear it towards Christian organizations. That means um, there is a theological foundation. Um, we wanted to make sure that people understood that this is not just a buzzword. Um, I hear this all the time. Why do you use the terms diversity, equity, inclusion? Those are secular terms. No, they're not. Those are right. kingdom terms. Right. If you look, <laughs> those are kingdom right. terms. That's what Shalom is all about. Principles. And, you know, and it is really something that the the world has hijacked, but they're kingdom principles. And so trying to reconcile, I use that that term because I think that that we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation and helping people understand that these terms, these principles are part of God's design for us to live together and love one another. Right. Absolutely. So number one, it it is from a a Christian lens and Christian's perspective. Number two, we wanted to talk to a diverse uh, group of people. So the book is, um, broken up in three parts. It's to the diversity professional. It's to allies, co-conspirators, and outliers. And it's to the organization. Um, Because we understood that not, diversity doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So you're not going to create an inclusive organizational climate by yourself. Lone wolf, one office, one person. It has to be an organizational effort. It has to be everyone on the same page. And so we wanted to make sure we got everyone in the room, right? Mm -hmm. All the voices in an Mm -hmm. organization in the room and on the same page and reading the same playbook. Mm. Um, And so that's why uh, we ask people to start where, locate yourself. So if I am, um, if if I am a ministry officer or um, an urban ministries officer at a denominational organization, um, so I'll start with the diversity professional 
um, section, but then read the other sections Mm -hmm. so that you can have a conversation um, with your organization and everyone can be on the same playbook because you know how it happens, Angela, in organizations. Um, You know, the board is doing one thing. um, The the staff is doing another thing. If it's a a Christian organization or or a college and the faculty is doing something completely different. I mean, and people are so uh, polarized and they're they're so um, focused on what they're doing that when you're trying to move um, organizational goals forward, you get stuck because everybody wants wants to hoard and, and prioritize their thing and they're not thinking about the big picture. So this book helps everyone be on the same page and reading the same playbook. So in your work, are, are you, um, is that part of what you do, helping people to go through difficult conversations where so, we're having these really diverse perspectives on um, policies mm-hmm. on um understanding of um of culpability you know mm-hmm. understanding of uh situations that's that's one of the reasons why i say in in you know in the opening that we're we're how we value lived experiences of others because yes. in this country there's there's a devaluation of certain lived experiences right absolutely and and, and the making normative of others absolutely um, so I would imagine in this space that it becomes really you know part of the that would be part of your role helping bring some of that to the table yeah um it it's amazing how um if you bring people back to the basics of let's figure out how to listen to one another, first of all. I mean, uh, most of my um, uh, sessions, coaching, uh, workshops, I start with listening, right? Mm-hmm. And a basic, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. the I use the, sh- the Hebrew term Shema for the word for listening, you know, um, because it means deep listening and it means listening with an attention to understand mm-hmm. um, and, and um, to act on what you heard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. yeah, bringing people back to the basics, the fundamentals of just listening to one another and respecting one another as human beings made in the image of God uh, who have inherent dignity because we're all made in the image of God. Um, So those foundational things you have to, I start every session with um, because I think we have forgotten in this, you know, we've forgotten how to be civil to one another, how to listen to one another. Um, And, and you can't get to loving your neighbor if you don't listen. Right. 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 (laughs) It just doesn't happen. You can't Um, get there. You can't get there. It's the fundamentals. So I spent a lot of time on the fundamentals. And I tell you, that feels like regression to me, Angela. It really does. I've been doing this work for um, 20, about 20 something years now. And it feels like regression. Um, And it's just, you know, it's the context we live in now. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's have this conversation again. Let's go back to the basics, the fundamentals of listening to one another. Mm and, you know, and respecting history. And mm-hmm. I feel like that old adage goes, you know, if you don't know your history, you're deemed, you're doomed to repeat it. Repeat so it. you can't yeah. say that I can't bring up history 
Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, it, it's, mm-hmm. the history is fact. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, that that's, um, that's interesting because um, we live in such an anxious time. Um, and one of one of the areas that I remember studying quite a bit had to do with family systems and that churches yes, are just like yes. family systems and how that anxiety spreads. And mm-hmm. but then once once it uh, we used to talk about, like, you know, once it spreads through the herd, the herds, you know, you begin to you pull away. This restless. Pull, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, but they, but then they, they kind of gather together. And so you see this mm-hmm. people groups pulling away mm-hmm. from each other and, mm-hmm. and kind of, um, uh, finding their safety in their sameness as opposed yes. to, yes. uh, finding the safety that comes together when we are all are all mm-hmm. together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that very eloquently, but well, um, it's a natural default, Angela. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely psychologically we are more comfortable with people who are the same as us, and so mm-hmm. you default to that when something is happening happening that makes you uncomfortable or nervous or mm-hmm. or fearful. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being with us. If uh, someone wanted to reach out to you, how might they be able to find you and connect with you? Sure, they can go to my uh, um, the book website, um, which is www.diversity-playbook.com. Mm-hmm. It's probably the easiest. Um, I also have a blog that I do, which is in pursuit of shalom.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so either one I of those I love that. Ways. In pursuit of shalom. I yeah, love that. Yeah. Yeah. It has some travel. It kind of follows my, my journey on, on my year sabbatical. So. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to check that out. That sounds you should, great. You should check it out. Okay. Terrific. Well, again, thank you so very much for being with us today. And we are Looking forward absolutely to seeing you at the conference. Yes, uh, the I hope conference. to see many of you there. Yes, yes, yes. So, and to all of our listeners, I want to say thank you to you as well for joining us. And to, and <clears throat> excuse me, please stay tuned for all of the brand new episodes coming to uh, you weekly from all of our incredible team of co-hosts here at Mutuality Matters. In the meantime, go to the show notes and learn how you can follow and support our podcast team. And to be sh- and be sure to follow CBE International on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also go to our website at www.cbeinternational.org for even more content there. Subscribe to the blog, check out the magazine and academic journals that we have, watch videos, and listen to audio of past conferences and events. You can go visit uh, our bookstore and find a ton of talented authors and subjects, including um, Reverend Michelle's book here, The Diversity Playbook, gets there as well. And uh, lots of other subjects that will uh, enrich your faith and equip you to use your God-given talents in leadership and service to the gospel for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. Well, I am Reverend Dr. Angela Raven-Anderson, And I uh, want to give out a shout out, as usual, to Landon. Thank you, Landon, uh, for making us sound great and the entire CBE International team that makes this podcast possible. We are Mutuality Matters. Thank you for listening. 
Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.